Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 116, and in this show, we're chatting with your 2021 ARA overall champions, Subaru Motorsports USA's Travis Pastrana and Rihanna Gelsimino. Travis somewhat gruesomely describes the details of why he had to miss snowdrift, and he also tells us why he's never had to work so hard until Re joined the team. And Re tells us about how her dad is both her biggest supporter and yet also her greatest critic. So grab a snowdrift chilled beverage and join us for another round at the virtual rally pub we call the Rally Cast. <laughs> Greetings, I'm your host Mike Shaw, and here's what's been in the news since our last episode. Well, it's been less than a week since our last podcast went up, so not a whole lot to add aside from the global crises going on. In the rallying world here stateside, there are several interesting things brewing. I'll just say I'm very jealous of all of you that are headed out to rally in the 100 Acre Wood. It should be a fantastic event. There's, of course, WRC Sweden that kicked off this weekend, and it will probably be over by the time you listen to this. However, prior to recording this intro, our audio engineer, Derek Johnson-Love, gave me his podium predictions, and I did mine as well. And I'm sure we're going to be both very, very wrong. So Derek's choices were uh, one, two, three of Callie Robin-Para, followed by Craig Breen, and then Oliver Solberg. Uh, so long the Hyundais actually work this time. I chose Elfin Evans, followed by Oit Tanak, as I wanted to ha- Oit to finally have a good result and get out of his mental funk, with uh, Craig Breen coming up uh, third spot on the podium. Well, by the time I recorded this, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Craig Breen was already out early, as was Oit Tanak due to a hybrid unit issue, so... Does it count as a commentator's curse if the competitors have issues before you made your choices public? I don't know. Anyway, I really hope you enjoy this chat we had with Travis and Rhiannon right after this message from our supporters. Go, five right short over crest into second small crest, 40, full left plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rhiannon Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Well, as I said in our introduction to the Rallycast podcast, our very special guests that we have uh, for this episode are the 2021 American Rally Association National Overall Champions, Subaru Motorsports USA's Rhiannon Gelsomino and her driver, Travis Pastrana. Hey, thanks for having us on. Appreciate hey, Mark. It. Well, I figured that, you know, give the co-driver the right amount of respect here, you know, had to put her name first. 100%. I noticed that. I was Chivalry is not dead. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's always it, we almost always you know hear from the driver all the time, and not not so much the co-driver. So, uh, f- figured I, 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 you're not in my car. I, <laughs> driver is made to be spoken to and not to speak. <laughs> Back in the '60s. <laughs> well, to start things off, first of all, Travis, uh, I, I just want want to know just how are you feeling. I know I know that. Uh, you had a, a pretty serious accident, but if there's anybody that can bounce back from things, man, it's you. Yeah, well, I mean, is this rhetorical? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Or, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're missing the first round. And until, like, I was basically begging my orthopedic. I'm like, come on. Like, I'm fine. He's like, you can't walk. <laughs> I'm like, come on. I'm, I'll be good. I can drive. Look, the, I'll get a, a mold made because uh, my hips are a little wider right now than they have been. Everything's still kind of swollen. He's like, look, you broke your L5 in your back. You broke your hip. 
you have multiple fractures in your pelvis, and your sacrum is top to bottom broke, which is pinned all the way through your whole back. You have a catheter in because you tore your urethra, and you have basically, um, from the internal bleeding, I still have a huge uh, hematoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, that, that's pressuring uh, you know, on the, the, the bladder area. He said, just the internal stuff alone, forget the, the, the bones. He's like, you are not racing snow drift. I'm like, no, well, may, you know, maybe they'll get a lot of snow. Can we just wait to see if the snow banks? Because it's like, a, you know, I, I was thinking with three. I'm like, dude, if, if the snow banks are big, it's going to be like a foam pit. Be like safer barriers. Come on, doc. Work with me here. But else, uh, so I went to physical therapy yesterday and was able to, uh, to I started, I took my first couple steps. So uh, I'm well on my way to, uh, to be, being back in the seat, right? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. My wife works in surgery, so uh, I actually understood a lot of what you were saying, and every one of those things frightened me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Lucky is Travis, and he's uh, braver than most of us. So. Uh, braver, dumber, <laughs> tougher. They, they all go the same. <laughs> well, Rhiannon, this is the first time I've talked to you since you've uh, become a national overall champion. It's been a long journey for you. How's it feel to uh, finally get that title? Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting, obviously, especially to get it OG way so we could go to Oregon with no pressure, which was really nice. So to win it early in the season and and have that feeling of, you know, getting that first national overall championship. As you know, I've won a, a few uh, two-wheel drive championships and my brother and I have nearly won America, Australian rally championships. So to finally get one, in, um, you know, with Travis was really great and we worked really hard for it. So it felt like all the hard work paid off. So that was what really mattered in the end. What was it like going back home with that national title? Yeah, my family was really excited because obviously in normal times they would have come over and, you know, tried to be there when we won the championship. So obviously with Australia being so locked down with COVID and everything, that wasn't possible. So to get home, you know, they threw me a bit of a party. It was a bit late, but that was okay. Had a cool cake with the car on it and all those sort of things. So most of my Australian thing, friends couldn't believe I did a shoey and they couldn't believe I did it with water. So, you know, they're like, Ree, you need to do it with beer or something. That's crazy. So, yeah, no, my friends and family were really excited, just disappointed that they couldn't come to any rounds. But, you know, coming from a motorsport family, it's pretty exciting for them for sure. You know, not to jump on that, but just it was really cool that Ree's family is so motorsports and just to, you know, always talking to her brother and then, you know, her dad's, your dad's calling you all all the time, and it was it was cool. Like, even like almost you know you're still on stages, and she's like, "Come on, what the hell? You guys are in Philly. Like, Let's go!" <laughs> um, no, so it was just it was cool having just seeing what this meant. Kind of, I mean, not that re you know hasn't won a, a lot of stuff ever. You know, right. all the comments, you know, and the, but to sit with someone who. You know, like every race win, every everything was a milestone. And last year, d- despite, you know, with the rally um, ARA championship, you, you have some throwout events that you're allowed to have. And we were able to, to have a really great start to the season. But it, we necessarily weren't the fastest at, at most of the rounds. We put in the work. We didn't make the mistakes. Uh, we went hard when, when we could. We took risks where we thought it was, um, you know, it was going to pay off. Uh, and we got lucky a lot as well. Like you have to in pretty much every rally if you if you take a win. Um, but at the end of the day, I felt like last year, despite what the points turned out at the end, was the most competitive mm. rally championship for the top class that that I've ever been a part of. Maybe, maybe since 2006, 
Um, wow. You know, you had kind of the, the group N spec cars and yep. they had, you know, there was probably eight of us with competitive cars to, to take the win and maybe six at any given rally that, that could have won that year was, was really neat. Um, you know, when you had Antoine jump down for, for a couple, you know, some of the, the top Canadians came down as well. Um, but this year, I mean, especially if you look at New England Forest, yeah. um, you know, we finished the stage that none of us had done before. I think stage three uh, of, of the rally, or you did the first stage twice, so technically yeah, yeah, stage right. four. Um, you had the entire field, or the entire, there's five of us, within eight seconds. Five cars on a stage that no one has ever run, and the top four cars within two seconds? Yep. Two seconds. Like, I mean, think about that. It's never been run on, you know, you had three different cars. You had, uh, you know, the two Subarus, well, three Subarus technically, obviously, yep. um, that were all equal, which that kind of makes a little bit more sense. But then you had an R5 plus car and you had a world rally car <laughs> and they all have their different strengths. Uh, they all have their different weaknesses. And for that to be so close halfway through the rally going into day two, I mean, it's 20 seconds separating, you know, first through uh, first through fifth or first through sixth it was absolutely amazing. I was one. Of, I think even though we obviously had our accident in the end, that that rally for me was one of the highlights of the year, just to see five different cars going for it. And we get to the end of the stage and I'd go and get all the times and come back to Trav and say, you're never going to believe this. We're all only separated by this or whatever it was. So that was definitely a really awesome event as far as, you know, the championship is concerned, that's for sure. So, and one thing Travis said before, which I thought was funny, my, my dad, when he calls, he will give us crap. Like <laughs> if, we, if we like haven't performed, he'll be like, put me on loudspeaker so Travis can hear me. And I'm like, no, oh, I, I love my it. dad will say the worst stuff. Like he's like, what are you like? I won't even repeat what he says. <laughs> Dude, when Seminook on the downhill stage <laughs> And oh. then the, the the following state, dude, it was raining worst. Like, I feel like that movie Armageddon where they're like, oh, just worst environment imaginable. Like, yeah. we couldn't do recce because I mean, we did it, but it was fog. Like, you couldn't even see the front <laughs> of the vehicle. I remember and that. And then we're going down the hill at 130 miles an hour on notes that we kind of have from fog notes, wide open around blind corners and huge cliffs. And... So we ended up getting a flat because, well, I mean, you don't get flats on the road. Like we were well off road. And I was like, man, I think we, we might have lost like five to ten with the flat. You know, it was just right at the end. And we were down like 30 to Seminook. And I was like, all right, well, we'll go and we'll check the data, you know, which is awesome being on with Seminook because we drive so differently in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and we checked the data and I was like, Bree, we were we were 22 <laughs> seconds down at the halfway. I was like, what the hell is he doing? And that's, you know, Ken Block is on the stage too. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So definitely cool to see Seminuk, uh driving so well and uh, get a win before the end of the season. Well, actually dovetails uh, nicely. What I also wanted to ask is, you know, this is your sixth overall national title, but it's only been a couple of years you've kind of become the team leader now. Has that kind of changed your approach in how you've been tacking the stages these days as being the number one driver? Um, interestingly enough, I mean, David had always, you know, even when, let me go back to the beginning. So when I was 16, I signed on to Team Suzuki on motorcycles and I tested all year uh, and I got to right before the first race and I jumped on my teammate's bike and I was like, yeah, give me what he's got. And then the same thing on the, when I jumped, moved up a class, I tested all year and then I, I right before the first round, I was Kevin Windham. I jumped on his bike and I was like, yeah, oh, that's so much better. <laughs> so David Higgins, I've always just, and he's been amazing. I think he's yeah. 
elevated the level of rally in the U.S. to where I believe it's very underrated. I believe the guys, and it, it shows when we do the rally cross, um, you know, against world champions and the, the top guys in the WRX championship when they come over, like the Americans are, we're driving, you know, I know you got Ken Block and everyone's like, oh, he's just a drifter, you know, Hoonigan, and you got, oh, well, you know, you're motocross and uh, Seminuck, he's just uh, mountain bike, but these guys are putting in the time and it's it's been awesome this year learning a lot from Ree. Um, but, you know, to, to go back to your question, Seminuck came in as a guy that's been a privateer for so long, as a guy that's worked on his cars, as a guy that, you know, for the last literally 12 to 15 years um, has learned every in and out with two, two wheel drive and all wheel drive, front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, how you're kind of supposed to come at it. Um, and I've always kind of had that guy and, you know, whoever it was on the team, but it, you know, the last couple of years has been David who really has done that part of it. He's done the testing he's done. He's, he's made sure that no matter all the analytics part of it, exactly. And then I have basically this telemetry to go off of, of David, except for the end of 2017, where we kind of, you know, we're, we're on our own and became two very separate teams. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that quite <laughs> well. Controversy, but, uh, but anyway, um, you know, he's always been, above and beyond at, at, at helping. Um, but when Seminuk came on the team, even as a junior driver, he has helped so much. And unlike David, where I learned everything that I know from David Higgins and mimicked everything that I have to David, Seminuk, and, and it seems odd because we both come from kind of the crazy world of action sports, um, but he is extremely calculated. He is extremely smooth. He doesn't usually put a tire wrong um, in like a lamb, out like a lion, where I'm kind of the opposite. I come in hot, as Ree would tell you, and <laughs> so, you know, we, we sacrifice a little on the exit sometimes. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was good because he showed me, as Scott Speed did this year in the you know the Nitro Rallycross, um, exactly what that opposite driving does and where we can really improve. Um, so it wasn't like we have two similar drivers, which David and I were very similar um, for Rallycross and for Rally. I had someone that had a very good juxtaposition um, and where we could really help each other improve. So talking a little bit more about the 2021 season, I noticed, I don't know, maybe it's just my perception, but it seemed like with how kind of dominant you were from the very beginning, yes, some luck was involved, but it seemed like you did a lot more preparation than you've done in, in the past. I didn't know what preparation was until this lady beside me got here. And I was like, wait, we're going to work how many hours? Like it's re it's one o'clock in the morning. The rally starts at seven. We need sleep. She's like, let's get the notes and then we'll do better. <laughs> so what do you think, Ray? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've, I learned a lot in my years in the WRC. That's for sure. You know, you're watching what other people are doing as far as video analysis and all those sort of things. And so, you know, it was one thing when I come to the team, Travis and I both respect each other's roles and we respect what we could bring to each other's, I guess, rally games. So when we started working together in uh, August 2020 at Ojibwe, um, before we even got to the rally and just talking on the phone, the biggest thing was, hey, you know, let's do this video work and stuff before. And and Trav on Recce had usually been recording the stages, for example. I have never used a Recce video. I had never understood how to use a Recce video. You're making them, just not using them? Yeah, no, never even looked at it unless like once in a blue moon, we'd have a corner that we really didn't know which direction it went. 
And we're like, oh, I guess we'll look at that one and see which way the, the course goes. And then we wondered why. I'm like, man, David and I were like right on. And then he like, he'll gain two seconds here. He'll do this there. And this year, I felt like I had a lot more driving with the Jim Connor car. And the, you know, um, we did. I, this is the first year I actually felt like a real driver, not a gentleman driver, not someone that comes part time. And, and really yeah. helped me so much to make less mistakes. And I feel like so much of that came down to the notes and just how her timing on the videos after. So after she writes all the notes down and like I usually get us dinner or something after recce, we'll go over every single video from the recce video. We'll go over every video that we have. And we're very lucky to be on, you know, Super Motorsports USA where we have access to the other drivers. And we're very fortunate as well that even, you know, Ken Block and Seminuk, they're very open to like, hey, we want to win this, but we want to win this flat out against the best that we can, you know, and, and then to have McKenna and Higgins and everyone else step in, like it just, the battles it is real and it's cool. But Re has helped take me from, man, that was a great stage and that stage sucked to <laughs> our stages that's, that suck don't really suck that much. Like if we lose more than five seconds on the stage, we're extremely disappointed. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the big thing was, you know, when I said to Travis about watching the recce videos, he's like, I am not sitting through hours of recce videos. And I'm like, don't get away our secret. <laughs> and I said, you know, no, you like you speed up the recce videos and all these sort of things. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's a boring process, but it's rehearsing what you're doing the rally car virtually. Yeah. So, you know, it, once he saw how that process works, it made it, you know, a lot more um, understandable how it would help us in the rally car versus just watching recce videos and going, okay, this is really boring. I don't see how this helps us. So, you know, there's so many things that you learn when you're traveling around the world rallying and you just pick up bits and pieces that work for you and what don't work. And, you know, Travis is also good in, you know, if I'll say to him, oh, I thought that corner was long or short or whatever. And he'll, okay, well, let's check it. And yep, you're right, Ree, let's have a short. Or sometimes I'll say, and he's like, nah, no, nah, that's that's not, you know. Nah, that's and, max. <laughs> we got it. I'm like, <laughs> Hang on. You, you sure that's not fast? No, it's max. Okay, no problem. So, we're really good at, you know, we give each other suggestions and we take them or we don't, you know what I mean? And and I think that's part of a good working team. Like you've got to be able to contribute, you know, your own thoughts and ideas and, and we use some of each other's ideas and thoughts and then we move on. Like our pace note glossary and all those sort of things, you know, we've come up with some new words that we're now using that Travis wasn't using before. We've made some simpler terms, you know, just like don't cut instead of saying don't cut, doing don't. Just simple little things like that, which has meant that in other areas we've been able to, you know, put more information in the notes by taking out information, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's yeah. been you know, something that we've worked really hard on and, um, yeah, we will continue to, obviously. Does this more intensive, you know, preparation, though, make it maybe a little more relaxed when you go to start a stage and still have fun? <laughs> we like to have fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I find myself scared less. I, I, I know we can turn in... Uh, when I can only take a certain amount of information. So like Derek Ringer was used to working with McRae and some, some of the greats. And, you know, when you look at guys like Sebastian Loeb, they have photographic memory and they can retain a lot of information. I, I don't know if it's concussion related but, <laughs> or ADHD related or whatever it is, but I'm like, okay, we need words like slowing, max uh, stuff so I can be more confident in what the notes are without re-having to read so far ahead. I know one of the crashes I had with Derek, I was like, you're reading too far ahead. You're reading too far ahead. You're reading too far ahead. And then he was like, left six, right six, right five, left two. And I'm like, we can't slow down. And before we can crash, he's like, I knew we were going to crash. Like, 
I have to read that far ahead. Um, so <laughs> Re has found a way that we can make the notes uh, a little more concise, yeah. a little less information, not like a Solberg's. It's, I mean, going over Oliver and Petter's. <laughs> oh, man. That family and their notes detail is insanity. <laughs> oh. You almost need, need like the micro machine guy. Remember that guy? His like fast talking voice. Yeah. <laughs> We we watch the videos and like all of us because we got some and we oh, we can't keep up. I mean, dude, the, the the amount of retention, the 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 pure intelligence. Just, I mean, not to be that guy, but the intelligence of the Solbergs and how much the fact that they can understand and process that much information. Um, it, it says a lot for just how smart they are as as humans, <laughs> and uh, it shows Rhea and I that we can get the same information out of less that we're, we're just working <laughs> on our, our communication skills. But I think one thing that's really important for, you know, people that might be coming up in the sport and competing in ARA to know is that when you're co-driving for someone, it's really important that you understand what they would like from you. So when Travis was saying about his co-driver calling the notes too far in front and then he couldn't remember where he was and he'd get confused. So that's been one thing we've been working on is to, for me to hold back a little bit on calling the notes. So a lot of people will say to me, oh, I do it this way or I do it that way. And I'm like, well, it's easy to say that because when you're training people and you're trying to mm -hmm. explain to them, but at the end of the day, as the co-driver, you need to deliver the notes to the driver the way they need to hear exactly. them versus what you may think is right because he's the one who has to process it and drive accordingly. So that's one thing I, when I'm training co-drivers, I always say to them like, what you think and what you say may not work for the driver you're working with. So, you know, I've worked with, I don't know, 30 different drivers and everyone had a different little way that they mm -hmm. wanted things called. So I think that's really important for people to understand when Travis says that, how important that is to him that, you know, when you are calling his notes that, that you do wait a little bit and you do pause and, and those things. And look, sometimes I rush it and I'm like, oh, sorry, you know, like, and then I'm, I'm, so I, I, I'm going to stop you right there. So every now and then when it's, sorry, not to, not to just completely take over this whole. This is uh, funny. I know what you're going to say. So when, it, when it's slippy conditions, like every time we get to freaking Washington, I'm like, look, I know we're going slow, but I need information like, you know, kind of like Snowdrift uh, mm -hmm. last year. It was like, we can't stop for five football fields. Right, so I right. need that information, but then you're going to have to repeat it. But this Aussie that I have, <laughs> she speaks pretty good American until she thinks I'm behind on the notes. Because a lot of times she's like, oh, that was too far ahead. And I, I got to repeat it. But I'm like, don't just start repeating anywhere. Start repeating where we are. And then a lot of times there was like a two or a slow corner coming up. She speaks full bogan uh, Aussie. Aussie. I do the, the, the American. Right? Like I don't understand anything she's saying. I'm like giggling as we're coming. I'm like I know there's something slow coming up because the way you're rushing it and how scared you are. But I can't understand you. You still have to speak American. But it still comes through. Yeah. So you know if you react, then you know I guess it's okay. No, if I can't understand what she's saying, I slow down because I know that she's talking that fast because there's a a big problem coming up. And she's trying to get it out in time. And we'll get to the end. It'll be like, Re, you got a bit Aussie in there. <laughs> and I'll be like, sorry about that. But I know it's when I panic because, like, I'm repeating something back. And I'm like, I know there's a two coming. I have to really get this out. So he's aware that if that happens, <laughs> he needs to Just slow, slow down. We'll lose a little time, but we'll, we're not going to crash. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, so... 
What was your thoughts when you saw Barry show up last year with that WRC car? I mean, we're, we're talking the fastest cars, you know, built since Group B. And suddenly <laughs> the, the the fight's gotten a little more extreme. Yeah, I, I think Ree and I had a much different reaction uh, than most anyone on the team or, or you know, and, and it's been interesting because Subaru, you know, we've been in that position where we have had the best car for a very long time, mm-hmm. uh, but they've done a really good job more than uh, any of the critics w- would know on trying to make our cars as competitive as we possibly can. Um, not going all the way to what the maximum of maybe the rules could be, or, you know, there's a lot of gray areas because ARA, we want the competition. We want drivers to be able to come in. We want other vehicles to, to be able to be allowed in the sport. Like that's awesome. So when you get, uh, you know, McKenna, who's awesome, one of my favorite human beings on the face of the earth, awesome competitor. And he goes and does what every other sport does. And you go, okay, what is the maximum of what I can get out? (laughs) And, you know, you get a car that's three times probably more expensive than the car that we're, we're driving, which is which is fine. That's what the rules are. It makes Ree and I kind of giggle. We're like, all right. Like that <laughs> car is, you know, depending on the stage between a quarter second a mile to three quarters of a second a mile faster uh, than his car previously. So you go, OK, um, you know, we were already struggling uh, to run. This is the, the current ARA national champion. Uh, you know, we used to laugh. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm not one to talk and Ken's definitely not, we're, we're not people to talk, but, um, you know, we always called him back at backer and Barry. Cause that mm-hmm. guy, he turned in the fastest stage times, but when you're behind him on the road, I'm like, Holy cow. <laughs> like following Ken's exciting. Following Barry back in 2017 was like, how, like in the woods, out yeah. of the woods, in the cornfield. I'm like, Holy crap. And then to see the stage times, he's still turning. I'm like, dude, this guy's amazing. And I just, I always I'm like, Barry, you gotta show me the in car. <laughs> Poor Leon, you know, just it's anyway. And then he started racing more. He yep. started getting better. He started seat time. Out how to keep that speed. And now you have a true competitor on equal cars. And he goes out and brings in a car that that is superior, without a doubt. And it, it made Subaru, um, you know, really have to step up. And they worked on their arrow. And thank goodness we had the Gymkhana um, because we had a lot of downforce testing that, that we had done for the Air Slayer for Mount Washington. Um, and we were able to kind of elevate our cars, maybe a quarter of a second a mile. Um, I still think Barry didn't really show what that car was capable of until, you know, he had a flat at hundred yeah, acre and acre, all yep. a half second a mile faster <laughs> when he came back and, you know, tracked down, uh, uh, from a minute behind with like four stages to go. And you're like, and I know Seminuk's driving his butt off and I'm thinking, Oh, you know, we're, we're in trouble this season. Um, yeah. You know, this year it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. And I feel like when Barry was on and when he made that car work, we weren't competitive. But you know what? That is cool. We've been there. We've been the dominant car. We've been the people that weren't touchable, even if there was a better driver that came in. So hey, you know, let's let's play the opposite role, and we're going to push. We're going to get everything we can out of our Subaru, and we know we have the most reliable car out there. Barry, you know. He still doesn't know the car as well as we do. He doesn't know right. what it can and can't take. He doesn't know where he should slow down and where, where he can just use that WRC car to go. I think that if we can put in some perfect runs, I still believe we can win this championship. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. And I feel like this is great. Yeah. And I mean, Barry's just pulled out a snowdrift today. So are we right. sure? Is that, is that official? 100% That's sure. Official. 
of yeah. the official. Holy cow. So obviously that means for us, <laughs> that's good news. Even though it's nine rounds and we drop three, it now means it's eight rounds and you're dropping two. So obviously that's, you know, good news. And obviously Ken's dropped it as well. So, you know, Brandon's there, but three of the other top guys have obviously now dropped that event. So that's going to, you know, make the championship, I think, a great battle, really. It actually shows me, it's a little unnerving because it shows me how confident Barry <laughs> is when he has an opportunity for True. sure points. Yep. And he goes, you know what? I don't want to win this championship and have anyone, not one person say, oh, well, Ken and Travis missed the first round. Exactly. He's coming into the second round, even with us, and saying, look, I am going to win this championship flat out, and I think that is scary. And, <laughs> True. And it's it's pretty cool. It's and a, it makes it great for us fans for the championship. Hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I, I was thinking that too. It just it sort of makes it all on an even ground now. I know that you know Subaru has been working on adding extra bits and bobs and whatnot to the car for stage rally. Now that the rules have been more finalized, I guess you know a little more clarified. Since they did some of those changes throughout the season last year, did you have to adjust your driving style or, or for re for you uh, on the notes and whatnot, uh, taking corners faster or things like that? Yeah, I mean, when we arrived to Olympus test, which was the first time we were trying out some of the new aero, aero we started the test with the car as it was from 100 Acre Wood. And then the boys um, put on some of the new aero, the new wing, trying different things. And Travis and I come into one of the first corners and it nearly, like, we're like, it nearly threw us off the road. So it took a little bit of um, adjusting, I think, more for Travis. And and for me, yeah, there was, I, I feel like, you know, quarter a second, half a second, a, a kilometre, a mile, whatever it might have been. But, I mean, our cars are really fast. I can't even explain it. I've been in R5s a lot. Um, these cars are a lot faster than R5. How comparable they are to a current World Rally car? Well, we have Barry's car, so that's pretty good as far as being able to tell where they're at. Um, so from the co-driver's side, yeah, timing fractionally faster than it was before. But I think there was more changes for Travis than me as far as the aero was concerned, Trav. Uh, coming from motocross, I mean, everyone's like, oh, you must like the fast stages. But I, I don't like... Um I, I don't really understand a lot. Like when I got to NASCAR, just, um, you know, the drafting and the different, like the side force. And, you know, you can have in a NASCAR at 180 miles an hour, you had um, 800 pounds of side force at three degrees of y'all, um, wow. you know, it's barely sideways. So similarly, what was really difficult for me with the air slayer, especially, and I, I got to learn a lot about downforce, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't do a lot under 30 miles an hour. So, you know, when you're doing the tighter stuff or even to 50, it's not as much. Exponentially, from I'd say 50 or 60 miles an hour, it, it increases so dramatically. Mm-hmm. Your braking is so much better at 100 than it is at 50. Mm-hmm. So you can come in and think, oh, I'm going to lock the brakes up. But with the extra downforce, you can brake so much harder, but then you got to brake less and less or you, or you kind of lose. Right. So you, it's how you drive the car, how you brake with the car. And then also when you come into a corner at 120 miles an hour and you're like, oh, I'll slide this corner. Well, once you get past three, five degrees of, of sideways, like y'all, as they call it in NASCAR, you lose downforce. Right. So it's not only... It's not going over those wing surfaces anymore. Exactly. So you're coming into a corner thinking, oh, I'm glued to the ground. <laughs> and you pitch it just a little bit to like get a little extra turn. And all of a sudden... The suspension unloads, and you're going straight for the woods on the outside. So when you need 
that little bit of extra downforce. So you think, oh, I'm, I got good amount of traction. As soon as you're sideways where you're like, yeah, I need more. You have half. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Many times Reese like, what the <laughs> hell did you just do? Like we're sideways heading for the woods. Like it was perfect the last time. I'm like, I went a half a mile an hour faster and I, I, I turned a little too sharp, I guess. So I, I'm not a huge fan of the downforce, but I'm like, <laughs> so I, but to, to be fair, I think Barry's got to do the same. Yeah. Because these cars, they drive so well straight. Yeah. They break so well when you're going fast. And and you just you always have to think of how fast am I going? And you know, when you go around a corner, kind of like a road with a lot of crown on it, mm-hmm. you could be on the inside half of the corner thinking, Oh man, I could have taken that twice as fast. But the second your back tires get over the top of the crown, you're in the woods and you're you're spinning or you're doing something. Um, so I, I feel like the the downforce is equally as advantageous as it is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to think about because some of it's also a little bit of that reverse thinking, right? Some corners you actually have to take faster if it's not too much of that yaw, right? To be able to make that corner. If you Otherwise, you have to go way slower, I'm guessing, because the downforce works with you. It does to an extent. I mean, definitely the faster the corners, that, that works. Um, and exponentially, when you're thinking there's no way this is going to hold. Um, and I was very fortunate, like I said, to be able to, Ken uh, gave me the opportunity to do Gymkhana. And I had to drift a car around 100-mile-an-hour corners with the most downforce of anything that's probably ever been made with all-wheel drive. And this car went from glued to the ground where I'm handbraking and nothing's happening. It's staying perfectly <laughs> straight. And the second it gets to five degrees, y'all, like you're throwing it. And all of a sudden, you're 100% backwards at 120 miles an hour on pavement. Going, what just happened? I don't do this. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's fun. That car must have been fun as hell to drive, though. Oh, it was, it was great. And, you know, that was it was very interesting. But kind of back to your sorry, I got off tangent for the millionth time. But um, I, I'm Italian and Irish. I'm constantly off on tangents. So there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, <laughs> Jeff Ward, uh, when he got he got his motocross supercross champion, uh, got second at the Indy 500 uh, twice, actually, second or third, or second one year, third the other year. But uh, Jeff goes, man. I started to slide the car where I had like one degree of yaw and I thought that's as fast as I can go. And they said, nope, you can actually go. So the wings are set up for going about 10 miles an hour faster. So you'll get more downforce until you get to three degrees of yaw. He's like, what happens when I hit four? They're like, well, you go into the wall and probably break your legs and maybe you're back. He's like, okay, so 10 yeah. miles an hour or check, 11 mile an hour, no. But that's <laughs> downforce. It's like, that's why I like dirt, man. You're always, you can go sideways, you kind of feel it, whereas pavement, you know, it breaks loose quicker. Right. So now you get downforce on pavement, and then, then you get Sebastian Loeb, who just dominates. <laughs> and, you know, it all makes sense. And in all honesty, this is what Barry's dealing with, you know, when he's trying to learn his car. And as we know, he didn't do quite a few of the rounds last year. So he obviously is still building the experience and getting used to how you drive that car fast. So that's a challenge in itself for him as well. And and him pulling out a snowdrift is probably a bit of a combination of that car on the ice and the conditions there probably wouldn't have been that nice to drive anyway, to be honest with you. Thinking, I guess, more into the future, I mean, where would you guys like to see the sport, I guess, kind of go as far as, you know, this downforce and all this stuff? Would we try and get things down to basically everything about an R5 level maybe in the future or still keep the, the Subarus and some top car, you know, the open class just a little bit above that? What was interesting was the R5 plus car when Ken Block jumped in and, you know, 100 acres, Ken's probably arguably best rally. He's won that so many times, uh, but he was the most competitive of any of the rallies last year, him and Alex. Yep. 
um, with the R5 Plus. Um, so I thought that was interesting because he raced that car and then jumped in the Subaru the rest of the year. Um, you know, the Subaru was more stable. He felt safer in the in the Subaru. Uh, he just liked the predictability and then the fact that we've had so many years on the same kind of chassis and the same suspension. Right. And we have so much to pull from. Uh, plus, you know, not having done the season in a while to have access to all of our videos and, and everything being kind of kind of part of the team was was a huge um, asset. Um, but the car speed, overall speed, seemed very similar. So that was kind of cool to say, okay, that's similar. We can bring R5 pluses over and we can be, you know, really competitive. But for me, I think you either have to go R5, yeah. bring it down, which unfortunately isn't as exciting for the fans, especially the super special stages or like, I, or, you know, but to the opposite effect, I think you can get an equal amount of top drivers over yep. if you unlimit this. The Group B era is back in America. Just go swing, really? you know, <laughs> 500 horsepower. Let's see what you got. I mean, the co-drivers lit Reese over here with their eyes shut. Yeah. I mean, how cool would it be to have the fastest cars on any championship in the world on arguably the fastest roads in any national championship in the road world. And, and just, you know, like let her, let her eat, you know, how many people are going to come over that, that, you know, that have some money and that go, Let's see what we can do. Let's push this to the limit. So, in my opinion, that would be the scarier <laughs> route. The crowd would love that. I think back group B spec era and just let everything in, or, or you take the budget down. Because honestly, some of the best racing I said last year was great, um, but I think the best era was two thousand five, six, seven, when it was pretty much the group N class because it was affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know exactly what our cars run, but I, I know it's probably a third or a fourth of what a world rally car is. And, you know, if Barry's coming over in a, a million dollar car, and if that's what we're expected to step up to, yeah, I don't, Subaru has been amazing for the sport, but I, I just don't feel like it's not sustainable. You know, we're getting odd men put on, but it's just not, there, there's, it, you can't make it work. No. And at the end of the day, I, I mean, yeah, we love going fast in our cars. It's awesome. But I think that if there's like sort of like an R5 platform, you might have international drivers then bringing their R5 over, mm-hmm. which they have, which is FIA spec. They're not having to do any upgrades. So maybe when Travis was talking about when they raced in 20, 2006 and stuff, maybe we might have 10 competitive cars because we do have, you know, the. I mean, I got contacted by people, you know, coming into this year asking all about it that have won British championships and things like that. So maybe if they're – and they're saying, hey, how would my R5 go? Oh, your R5 as it is? No, you'd need to make an R5 plus. So I'm thinking, you know, yeah, the cars would be slower for sure compared to what we're racing right now. But if we had some sort of platform where it was like around R5, we do have a lot of R5s here already. You might get some more international people coming over in R5s and and maybe we've got 10 of us going flat out trying to win the rallies, which I think would be really cool. Um, Yeah, like Travis said, it's fun to have the open class and think of that but also maybe that becomes more unaffordable for people. And, and, you know, whereas if we had more of an R5 platform, then we might get more top people coming here and racing. So it's a hard one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on that too. I mean, I, I love the spectacle. I love being able to push as much as you can and, and seeing the excitement of, of the way you guys develop that car and, uh, and what you can do with it. But at the same time, we all want good close competition too. And there's only two or three cars, maybe four that can be right up there. That makes it just to have 
10, 15 going for that title. That That's just that much better, I think, for us fans. 20, 30, 50. Let's yeah. go. Right. Come on. <laughs> Honestly, I mean. We're going to need bigger service parks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. But, like, we're we're working with uh, with Black Rifle this year and getting, you know, some some veterans are, are coming in. They've got – so they, they've got three cars, um, the Black Rifle, and they yeah. – two of the owners, uh, you know, are, are coming in. They, they're like, man, this is so cool that what other sport yeah. can I race in my first ever race and go on the same stages as McKenna and Block and Seminook and, you know – I just, you know, just to, to see, oh man, I no way anyone could have driven that faster. And then you're like, oh shoot, they did it like eight minutes quicker. Like what the <laughs> heck? You know, and it just it really puts things in perspective. And, um, you know, I just, so we're doing kind of like where launch control really follows kind of the Subaru team and, and the top, uh, you know, the top class really just want to show rally and just how, um, you know, you can do it pretty affordable. You can yeah. do it as, as something that, that, you know, you get a group of buddies, you know, a lot of my friends are all mechanics and welders and, mm. and you get out there and you figure out, you know, you go to Reed school for co-driving and then dirt fish or, you know, wherever you're going to end up. Um, and just have the opportunity to go race on the same roads as, as the top guys in the nation. I just, and girls, I just, I feel sorry. I feel <laughs> that that is, uh, um, you know, it is, it's pretty neat. And as we yeah. have to build this up, as you get, the, the fans, every race, every rally that I go to, people are, I, I get at least one person, usually two to three, that are like, oh, we're here because we saw this on launch control and we wanted to see what it was. Awesome. The more awesome. this gets out here, the more that, uh, you know, the Black Rifle starts getting involved and they have an extra car for, for you know, the, the rookies to kind of come in and they're, they're kind of showing this sport and that you can actually do it, that it's actually attainable. I think you're going to get more people to do it. And if you brought that price point down as much as I hate <laughs> that to, to take anything away from the current cars or to do anything but make them faster and better. I, I do feel like having, you know, 10, 15, 20 cars battling like we did. Um, yeah, not that we ever had that many, but like, like I was saying, there were six cars that were competitive at, um, you know, which, and not only competitive cars, but competitive drivers, competitive co-drivers, competitive teams. Right. Like, and I know six doesn't sound like a lot, but oh, it is. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That is so yeah. fun because if you make a mistake, better than three, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you make a mistake when, say, it was Higgins and I a couple of years back when we were, the, you know, two Subarus, um, you'd get a flat or something, and you'd be in no man's land. Yeah, you know, that's the greatest part about NASCAR. Shoot, I could be two laps down, and I'm still battling <laughs> as hard as I can for every you know millisecond, and that was yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, that dovetails nicely. I, I swear you must have looked at some of my notes for my questions because uh, I was going to actually ask you about how, you know, with the Nitro Rallycross stuff, you were going talking to some of your NASCAR friends and whatnot about them trying out that sport. Do you think that we uh, may get some interest from some of the guys, Logano or whatever, in stage rally and uh, them coming over and giving it a shot? Because I would love to see that. It's just, it, it, I always say that rallying is unfortunately the greatest form of motorsport that nobody knows about. Um, it's a little more difficult for those guys to get into a rally because everyone of them believes that they are the best and they are very, very good. I mean, they, they truly are extremely good. Um, oh yeah. And they do, but I think you'd have a much better chance getting into rally cross where they can go and they're like, I don't have to learn a pace note system. Right. I have to take the risk. Even guys like Jimmy Johnson, he's like, man, I raced you know, the Baja 1000. And he goes, I woke up, you know, and we were off the road by a very, very long way. My co-driver's unconscious. I was <laughs> unconscious. And we didn't have medic 
and anything you know that, that got to us for for 14 hours, you know, and, and that's a scary thought. And in rally, the the, the safety's good, but you don't have safer barriers. You don't, you know, in NASCAR, I'm not saying the guys don't have risk, but no one's really afraid of getting hurt. And every now and then they hit something weird, like uh, I think Kyle Busch a couple years ago at Daytona, mm-hmm. uh, you know, broke his uh, femur and stuff, and it's possible to get hurt. Sure, but they they're generally in bigger areas. They have helicopter access. They're they're not worried about their life mm-hmm. you know they know they have the best medical on site whereas rally mm-hmm. it's still a you know it, your your safety is just in the car there's nothing outside the car that helps your safety in rally right so I mean, it's your safety cell is it otherwise it's trees cliffs and everything else you don't have a safer barrier or any of that stuff and you're right and we had really fat i mean rally safe is wonderful i'm so happy that we have it i'm so happy. and the response times that we can have now because it's got the G-force indicators and we can send somebody downstage right away. But still, you're five miles downstage. You know, there's still going to be potentially a wait time. Uh, yeah, and in all honesty, um, we had some things added to our cars because they were getting faster, and so we got some extra FIA, um, you know, foam stuff that they put in the doors and things because of the mm-hmm. slight impact that that the WRC cars have. You know, that our cars didn't have. So. You know, I feel like American Rally has, like, really improved the safety with bringing Rally Safe in and then some other things as far as, you know, the, the foam in the doors and things that we we are obviously chose to do as a team um, to sort of be similar to what Barry has in his World Rally car. But the, for me, the like, obviously coming from Australia where I used Rally Safe since 2010 and now to have it on the stages where we are, I, I just think it's one of the best things we could have done in America because Travis and I know – yeah, we've got a car two minutes behind us. If we're first on the road and we've had a crash, but we also know that if we've had a really high impact, we're both unconscious. You guys straight or whoever it is, you know, in Rally HQ straight away know what G forces we've hit at and know that hey, they're not responding on the rally safe. You know, there's an issue and their medical is deployed straight away versus the old system where you know someone has to get to you, they assess this, assess this situation, someone else gets there, they have to get to a radio. Like you may not get medical help for like 30 minutes. So it's definitely a plus that's been introduced. And I think for when you ask about the NASCAR, I've actually done a rally with Kurt Bush, but it was the Mons rally show. So you know, it was on the Mons. Still a circuit, essentially. So, yeah. yeah. Essentially. But it was interesting, you know, when I did a lot of prep work with him before the rally and explaining pace notes. And he's like, oh, don't we just do it on gears? And I said, well, if we do it on gears, what happens if it rains or something? And all of a sudden you thought it would be a third gear and now it's the second gear. And he was like, oh, I didn't think of that. So I showed him how, you know, the system works. Funniest part is we get to the race. It's fog. It's rain. It's everything. And he's like, Oh my goodness, lucky we didn't do the gear system like I thought. Like, so <laughs> I was sending him these onboards and he's watching him. He's like, oh, yeah, sixth gear, fifth gear, you know, whatever. And then as soon as he understood, you know, the conditions and how it changes so much in rally, he was like, oh, lucky we didn't do what I thought, you know, was the case. And yeah, yeah. It was still, it was still properly ran as a rally and everything. As we know, they have a WRC on, you know, the Monster Rally now too. But uh, he, he kept saying to me, I, I don't know how it would be like racing on cliffs with trees and all those sort of things. So um, obviously that would be a lot different for him. But yeah, sorry to go back to answer your question. Joey Logano literally chased me down and then he looked at me and goes, 
you know what? You're not great at answering your phone. And he went to Dove, who was, works at Nitro. He's like, <laughs> give me all of your information, your cards. He's like, I am racing one of these events and cool. was trying to, yes. you know, go through through Low and Bo, Bro and Arpin and try to find a, a Ford because, you know, a lot of these guys, they need those specific things. But you're looking at a lot of the NASCAR teams that honestly with GRC were about to get involved. And then GRC kind of, you know, went by the wayside. And right. they're just waiting for Nitro Rallycross to get enough momentum to know that it's going to be around longer than the ARA was. I mean, sorry, um, yeah, ARX. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it hasn't had a lot of success in the States. We believe we can make it work. We believe we've learned a lot from the mistakes. We believe that rally cross can be huge. Um, yeah, of course, every driver loves rally, uh, but rally's more difficult to bring in you know, those types yeah. of drivers that there's just more to rally. It's um, yeah. you know, harder to spectate. The diehard fans are there, and that's what's great about Rally and what I loved about X Games at the beginning. Um, Rally, you every driver is reachable. You can go up, you can talk to them, you can you, probably eat dinner with them or whatever. Like it's <laughs> you know, it's it's really approachable. And but I like that. I like that it's a grassroots sport in that way, um, and it will probably remain somewhat like that. No matter, it'll have its you know. Uh, flows and, and whatnot and get bigger and get smaller, but it's an awesome sport and it's a great um, enthusiast sport. Rally cross, when I asked Kyle Bush if he wanted to race a race, I thought he was going to be like, no, right away. And he goes, huh, let me ask my wife. <laughs> back the next day and was like, she said no, but I'm in. I was like, oh boy, <laughs> here we go. Um, you know, and once he did it, then, you know, talking to Kyle Larson and he's like, well, shoot, I didn't even know it was a possibility. He goes, yeah, after our season next year, let's work this out. Let me figure out what car I can do. He goes, you know, those guys have deals with Chevy and whatnot. Right. But if you're looking at Connor Daly was trying to race, you mm -hmm. have um, Alexander Rossi wants to get involved. Hinchcliffe wants to get involved. Uh, both the, the Bush brothers want to do more. Um, you know, and you know, Chase Elliott jumps in for the last round. <laughs> and he was like, this is so much fun. You know, and I feel like drivers just want to have a good time. Um, but it's difficult because even as much as they race, they still have obligations to do stuff almost every other weekend. And the drivers with families, it's tough. Yeah, especially NASCAR. Their calendar is like insane. But so Kyle comes out after, after the last round. He does because he's doing trucks and he's doing late models and he's doing go-karts and his son's racing. So he brings his son out uh, with his wife and his, uh, his crew chief for the truck series. And his son raced all three days that he was in Phoenix. And they found different tracks around that Phoenix area that were racing carts. And, you know, he had his truck crew chief go with him and Kyle's racing this. And then, you know, they brought their own motor home and they've got like, you know, he's playing RC cars around back. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this is cool. Like they've really got it figured out and they have, they love racing. So when people say, oh, well, they don't, they want to have a weekend off. I'm like, no, racers <laughs> don't want to have a weekend off. They just want to go race more. And uh, they want to do something that they can get into that they can be competitive in. And I feel like yeah. at this moment, rallycross is that sport that's new enough um, mm. that everyone kind of has a shot. Everyone wants to fly. Who doesn't want to fly a car? <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, not everyone. It's not fine. But like, you know, most of us. <laughs> well, the Nitro Rallycross, I, you know, last season I watched that and I was flabbergasted at how awesome the different circuits you went to were, uh, the different courses and how it made things just so different. Um, I don't think we've seen that much dirt and and good close competition i think in that sport actually in, in, in a while the course designs when it was back when it was grc and i was following that real close were had a bunch of issues where you had a lot of collisions on the first turn but it seems like you've really set this up nicely for creating good competition 
not trying to just make it a wreck fest and lot making it very interesting and fun to watch the best drone footage of any motorsport ever uh that stuff that that is like this is what we've been wanting you know kind of thing that kind of point of view that has been really cool i'm guessing you guys are all on board to get a season started uh sometime later this year uh yeah nitro rallycross coming back we're stronger we have three rounds in europe uh we have five rounds in in north america wow um we have no round um so i don't know if everything's been announced yet or not i'm probably speaking out of line but it's been (laughs) absolutely awesome we've been you know last year we had really hoped on kind of not borrowing money from nitro circus but that was kind of the the parent company that you know was what nitro rallycross was kind of like okay we'll you know we have money coming in here and we can build this up uh, slowly. COVID hit and that we went a year without doing any live shows. And then the, the attendance hasn't, it's, you know, depending on the areas, we can't get anyone from Australia over here. And we can't like, we just can't get the riders to places in the different areas. It's so it's, it's been tough. Uh, it was probably the toughest time for us as a company to start a new sport, but now we've proved we can do it. We've proved we can get the car count. We proved we can get the drivers. We proved we can get the competition. Yeah, like the budget was almost nothing to do a lot. And, you know, the, the TV, we were very lucky to get uh, Peacock on board and to have, you know, lots of live streaming. But when we were expecting to have Nitro Circus live shows for halftime and moto demos and all this other stuff uh, to really engage the crowd and right. uh, to really do the up so you could, you know, have that, that sponsor alley feel, we just we weren't able to do it. Other, outside of the racing, we're like, let's get the racing right, and let's try to get the best TV package that, that we can afford right now. Um, but coming into 2022, we've got Electric coming on board. Uh, we have more teams coming on board. Uh, we have sponsors that actually believe that we can do it now. It's not all borrowing and, and praying. It's um, you know, we learned a lot. We made a lot of mistakes last year, um, but we know we can do it a lot better. And we have the resources. Before we were coming into a track. And we were coming in five days before the event and building a track from scratch. Wow. All the way up, testing the jumps, trying to get the, you know, up literally until the first car was on track. We were still building the track, let alone trying to get the the right amount of moisture in it or trying to figure out how to blue groove it. And the track's changing as it goes. You know, hopefully that didn't show as much on on TV, but it, it was it was extremely tough because every day that you're at a track, it, it costs money. It costs time. It costs crew. It costs hotels. Um, this year we'll be able to get to the tracks earlier. We have a lot of tracks that are already pre-built. We know what dirt works. We know what dirt doesn't. We know how to water each type of, of terrain. And I feel like the show is going to be a lot better. We're going to be able to bring in more sponsor vendor rows more. We know how to set up the pits better. You know, hopefully it'll be a better experience for the driver. All those little things make such a big difference. And yeah. I agree with you, Mike. Like, I'd been to a lot of rally cross throughout the years. Alex used to be Ken Spotter, so I'd, you know, go along. And for me, I found a lot of it quite boring. You know what I mean? Um, but this year, I really enjoyed I only went to watch one live uh, in Utah. But watching it on TV, I just felt like it was a lot more um, enjoyable. And there was a lot more going on with the jumps and everything. And you know, even my family in Australia was just saying, because dad always loves watching the rally cross, just how much more, like you always watch a European one because it was right. really cool. Yep. It had so much. And, and the American one seemed to be missing something. But I feel like, you know, what Travis did last year and his team of guys just made it more enjoyable for me as a motorsport enthusiast as well. Um, 
that, you know, you'd actually sit through and watch it all um, versus the other ones that I just felt like, you know, weren't, weren't as exciting. So I, I totally agree with you as well, Mike. You were talking about uh, going electric with, with the Rallycross series. I saw some videos uh, under his back route trying that FC1X thing. And wow, that, that thing sounds like it, it, it's a little bit of a beast. I, I'm guessing you haven't had a chance to, because it's just been developed. I'm guessing you haven't gotten to drive one yet. But what's your, what are you hearing about the development of that car from Olsbergs? So I was going over the following week uh, to do that. And I landed bad on a parachute and I'm <laughs> kicking myself for doing that uh still but uh yeah this car despite that they put it on like uh really really small studs the same that the porsche was driving over there and they gave the 1983 group b car the like uh two inch or whatever world rally studs and it got beat by a 1983 car i mean stig's awesome but uh, i was very disappointed uh in that showing but um despite that it is far and away the fastest um, the most suspension, um, definitely it fits what we've looked, you know, asked all the manufacturers, what do you want? They're like kind of that mini SUV look, that's where we're going. Um, we've learned a lot from the mistakes made by, you know, the, the WRX. Um, and we really hope that this is something, um, that's going to allow rally cross and nitro specifically going into the future to, to really, the problem is there's not a lot of manufacturer support other than Subaru staying uh, with your gas-powered vehicles. And we still will have gas-powered vehicles. Don't worry, all the motorheads out there. Yep. I love gas-powered. And we're not going electric. We're Obviously, everyone wants to do good for the environment. We want to do the most that we can. But going electric allows us to have another class. It allows us to have a totally different group of sponsors. Mm-hmm. It allows us to have faster cars for less money. Mm-hmm. So we can have better cars with more acceleration, more top speed, give the manufacturers what they want. So hopefully they can come on board at some point in the future to have more sponsorship for more drivers, to have more cars on the grid um, and to do it in, in a cleaner way is, is is a bonus. But for us, this is about racing. This is about building racing. So everyone that's like, oh, electric's killing racing. No, like it or not, electric is where the manufacturer going. It's where we need to go in the future. And it's faster. The racing is going to be better. It's going to be more affordable. And you have a lot of sponsors that are getting into that to develop battery technology, to, to develop you know ways, rechargeable systems. All stuff that racing, especially Rallycross, which is short format, right. is yeah. going to help build into the future. And I think it's a really great platform for electric. Well, when Pikes Peak was done with an electric, it's like this is the perfect place for an electric, right? It's a known distance up a hill climb for the technology as it was at the time, it made perfect sense that that's what you'd use to do as a record break. And then you don't have, you know, to, to worry about, uh, you have all that torque. You, you, you don't have to deal with altitude changing the performance of an engine. You don't have, yeah, I mean, just all these things that I think electric can bring to it. I guess the only thing that concerns me about electric is, at least as as there's talk of, you know, some of the stuff coming to stage rally. I know we got hybrid now introducing the WRC, is the lack of sound and maybe trying to compensate for that lack of sound from a safety standpoint using like sirens or something like that. Last thing I want is like what sounds like an old uh, Clifford alarm system. If you remember those are back in the day as before a car approaches, that would be the most obnoxious thing in the world. But uh, I don't, I don't mind electrics, but put a V8 sound on there. <laughs> right. <laughs> or rum, 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 <laughs> be like, what the hell's going on? Um, no, 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 but it's it's definitely a concern. And honestly, as a driver's perspective too, that was Scott Speed's biggest 
issue with driving the electric cars that he has that he brought to our attention right away. And um, what's cool coming into this still early in electric uh, and developing a lot of things in this FC1X that are going to revolutionize, I think, not only you know, rally cross cars, but but cars going forward, you know, which in so many different ways and having the suspension that we really need because as cars, rally cross cars, as it went less and less jumps and more and more pavement, um, the cars got developed to have less and less suspension to where they were, you know, the, the Fords one year, they had like three inches of suspension travel. And that's just not, that's not going to work on our, no. you know, it's like, yeah, it's all pavement. And that that's just not going to work for Nitro Rally. We, we need bigger jumps. We need excitement. We need the American audience wants that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, we, we're able to address all the things that we need to going forward to have the most durable car uh, and the fastest car possible, but also with the sound that Scott Speed was talking about, um, to have it where we can actually hear when the tires are spinning. Because you can feel it, but you feel it a millisecond. The engine, when your tire starts spinning a little bit, and Scott is the master, just barely slipping the tires, but he uses that sound before the mm. feel. So he can hear the engine rev start to go up before he feels the lack of grip, um, where he just wasn't getting that with the electric cars. So the FC1X, we actually have a better sound system for the driver. I know that doesn't help the safety per se, um, but it allows you know just the noise elevation to, to for the driver to tell when it is sliding. Personally, I haven't really driven electric. I've driven the electric <laughs> go-karts. And even though it is a series that I'm putting on and car that I'm promoting, uh, everyone talks very highly of it. But I am still waiting to get in my electric car because I <laughs> fell out of a hotel building and crashed my parachute. Yeah. It's a laugh. dumb problem to have, but yeah, it's still well, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it is funny. <laughs> you play those games and, well. <laughs> dumb games get dumb prizes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back in time, kind of, Rhiannon, how is Alex doing out at the African Safari Classic, East African Safari Classic? Yeah, I mean, as we all know, it's a it's a long event and it's very challenging and you don't have pace notes and it's blind and all those sort of things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's pretty tired at the moment with a couple of days left to go. So it's a bit like doing Dakar in a way, isn't it? You're out there and you're you know, every day you're up early and every day you're finishing late. So it's been a great challenge. Those Porsches are a really cool car and they're obviously getting to see lots of wildlife and all those sort of things. And Travis has done it before. So he, you know, it, it, I mean, it's always been something I wanted to do on my bucket list. Um, but yeah, so obviously that's a different challenge for them while they're out there and they've had a lot of punctures and all those sort of things. So I think that, um, yeah, right now it's a matter of getting through these last couple of days and, and then, you know, getting home and getting some rest and preparing for a hundred acre wood for him. And Travis, you did do the East African Safari Classic back in 2015, was it? I had Fabrizia Ponds. It was <laughs> awesome. Uh, we came over a crest. Well, right before we came over a crest, uh, Fabrizia was yelling, elephant poop, elephant poop. <laughs> I'm like, cool. We come over a crest. And there's a big old elephant. We lock it up, barely stop. She's like, I said elephant poop. I was like, next time you'll slow down. There's fresh elephant poop. There's going to be a big elephant over the crest. Um, you know, stuff like that was uh, was interesting. Also, we were running, I think, well, first day uh, we won our the second stage. We got lost on the first one. <laughs> We just, I don't know, we were out for like 10 miles in the wrong direction. Well, you're doing just root notes, so yeah, you can, you can go a ways before you realize, oh wait, that next note doesn't turn here and it's like five kilometers away. 
Yeah, in four miles. Yeah, that's weird. Four miles make a hard right. I'm like, okay, that's that's like a long way for kilometers. <laughs> no, but uh, so we won the stage uh, by actually a few minutes. I mean, it's you know, 80 kilometers or something, but we won it by I think it was like four minutes. I, I someone's got to check, fact check me on that. But and I came back in and I had the Tuttle Porsche guys and everyone's shaking their head, and I'm like, come on, I think we won, right? They're like, that was a horrible drive. Worst drive you could have possibly done. I was like, what do you mean? We won by like four minutes. And at that time, um, you know, Stig Blumquist was in and you had a lot of the top, you know, they're like, if you beat these guys by that much, he's like, you didn't beat them because you were better. <laughs> you, you beat them because you're not going to finish this rally. They're like, stop running so hard. And I'm like, we weren't running that hard. For reasons it's like, ah, oh, we got this. And then the next stage, uh, we got three flats, but we only had two spare. <laughs> and Fabrizio was hanging out the car and it wasn't doing anything because he weighs 10 pounds. <laughs> so, hanging out the back of the car, trying to get the car for like 30 kilometers back. And we're like, you know, however many minutes down we are, like probably 30 <laughs> minutes we lost. And the guys were just shaking their head. Like, we told you you're going too fast. I was like, I felt okay. <laughs> so um, definitely a tough rally as a driver, especially from U.S. rounds where we can generally drive wide open. And, you know, you're only gone for 20 or 30 miles maximum um, at a set of stages before you have, you know, which we're very fortunate with. Super, the service, yeah. You know, and to, to have great, great support crew. So, um, you know, to go three stages in a day where there are 80 plus kilometers a stage on that terrain with not having pace notes is, is very difficult. All right. Well, I want, I want to be conscious of time here, but I do have a couple of just kind of fun of games questions. First of all, Travis, I want to know what started the whole $1 bet stage bet thing. <laughs> what started the one dollar stage bet but i'll tell you ara picked up on it and now not only do re and i get to win a dollar but they picked the stage for us and we get up to five points per win on the dollar stage this year i'm pumped um, so, so no, the power but, stages are now going to be the dollar bet stage oh heck yeah but ken will not bet me anymore <laughs> We were doing dollar bets, and Ken was you know, came in a little cocky one year and was like, "Oh, this is sissy bets you Nitro Circus guys do. Let's do a thousand dollars a point." Um, so he, I, I beat him in the championship by thirteen points, and man, that was a good day. Uh, year, good year, really. Instead of losing thirteen dollars, he lost thirteen thousand. Oh, that felt good. That felt really good. Uh, but anyway, so Nitro Circus, what we have is. What you normally see is the person that doesn't go first mm-hmm. gets all the glory. The person that goes first hits the biggest jump, usually crashes, gets hurt, uh, and then someone else then knows the speed to hit the jump. I... They land the jump. They do the biggest tricks. They get the front cover of the magazine. So we said, all right, it's a dollar for he who jumps the jump first. And even though a dollar doesn't really matter, in our group, if you can be the bravest – you know, it's saying something. So instead of like, uh, when you're afraid to do something, you play rock, paper, scissors, winners win. Winners get the opportunity to go first. Winners win the opportunity to do the dumbest stuff and winners get a dollar. So that's kind of where it started. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm happy you asked because I had no, I didn't know where the dollar bet come from, but now I do. Do, do you ever bet on stages? Uh, be, ever bet with Alex? Oh, no. <laughs> But it is quite funny when you get out of the car and Travis and I, we, we always do this thing where on the transit we, we discuss, you know, how much we think we won the stage by. And or how much we think we lost stupid the stage Stupid or how much we lost the stage by or just stupid stuff. And so it's always funny when I've got the time and I'm going down and asking Alex and, 
and whoever else is there, John Hall or, you know, uh, Leon and stuff, what time they didn't, and Tal and Trav, oh, we were wrong by two seconds or whatever, because we'll try and guess, you know, the margins and things like that. So, you know, yeah, it's interesting when it's your husband, you have to go ask the time off. But in all honesty, when you're racing, you don't even think about it. It's just, you know, you both want to win. So I hope that the time I get off them is slower than ours and um, <laughs> that, that we've won the stage, that's for sure. One of the other questions I was wondering is if there's any car, if you were a factory Subaru driver, there's any car in any era uh, of uh, rallying that you could drive, what would it be? And uh, Rihanna, what about for you for riding in or if you'd like to drive one? I mean, for me, I'd I'd actually like to see what these new WRC cars like. I've been in, you know, other WRC cars and and rode in them, but hearing these new ones and and hearing from different co-drivers about them, I just think it'd be cool to actually go and do a test in one and and just see, you know, what what all the hype is about because obviously they're a lot different from anything that's ever raced in WRC before. So. I mean, yeah, that sounds a little bit boring because there's all Audi Quattros and all those fun things. Um, but I have gone in so many different rally cars that for me right now, I just think it'd be awesome to have a test or a ride in one of those latest spec 2022 WRC cars and and see what they're all about. I don't know about Trav, but I think that would be pretty cool. Now, th- this year, honestly, I, I got to drive, uh, you know, the, the 555 Subaru uh, mm. restored Paul McRae car. Um and that was for nostalgia. That was really cool at Goodwood. Um, man, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I tried to jump in every <laughs> vehicle I possibly could. I mean, I rode a <laughs> Kenny Robert Jr.'s uh, 2000 Moto GP bike, and the shifts opposite down is up and up is down. Man, I almost died. really. I was in the rain. I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, so great. Uh, so Goodwood was was a good experience. But I mean, yeah, uh, Definitely. I, I've just always been since McCray's era. Like I've just, that's really what I was getting into rally. And I just, I, you know, even the, the group A Subarus, I just, I was just a big Subaru fan uh, my whole life. Obviously when you see Stig and, you know, even though I was disappointed they gave him bigger spikes this year, uh, the, the group B Quattro was, I mean that, you know, that's when rally, I feel like it was the loudest you could do your service wherever you wanted. I just, that era mm-hmm. of, um, you know, kind of like when I did, uh, you know, the PWRC down in Argentina and, you know, they made the transit so tough. You had to do, especially me, I was, you know, group N car. So I was already had to do double the speed limit if I did a good stage. And then we <laughs> rolled on one stage and we got the cars all twisted and windows are out. And we're just going as fast as the car would go. And we handbrake through a red light at some intersection <laughs> in the middle of a city in Argentina. And there's like a lady on a walker that's like 90. That's like, yeah, go, 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 go. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like I should have been born like in the 60s. So I could have done this in the 80s because right. I think I would have had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Due to uh, potential statute of limitations now on uh, on some stories, uh, what can you tell me about uh, some good rental car stories? I don't have any good rental car stories, but he might. Be. I'm a goody two shoes. <laughs> oh, you've been in the car, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, we well, our rental car last year we crashed in the snowbank, but we didn't damage it, did we? No, I was going under the speed limit. Yeah. I just did. I saw. I was going, and we're doing recce, and I'm going around the corner. And I didn't turn the trash control off, or I thought I did, but there was like more trash control. So as it's sliding <laughs> around this corner, nice, good drift, it just locks up. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm facing like the outer side of the corner, and I go to turn to get on the gas, and I hit the throttle, and the throttle won't get on the gas because it's sliding. And I just like 
I'm like, the safety system just shot me off the road. So I don't feel like that was my fault. We were actually <laughs> drive we were actually driving the rental car to the test road. Yeah. And with some film crew behind us, which was the funniest part because I'm looking at him thinking, what is he doing? We're sliding into this snowbank and the guys behind us are filming it because they're mm. like they they were like just doing a general filming, you know, going out to the test and whatever. So yeah, yeah. we get to the test and we haven't said anything and straight away Sean, our our main tech on our car, he's like, Oh, I hear you guys crashed on driving out to out to the test. And we're like, You already know this? Like we were like people are already telling you about this. So but I mean, with Travis and I, we're being pretty good in rental cars, really. I must admit. No, we're not a uh, uh, Matt Johnson, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, some, there's some better ones from uh, from some of the other drivers. Now, I, you know, if I'm going to break anything, it's it's going to be something that that I own. I feel like uh, it's kind of our responsibility. And I learned this young. I mean, you know, I was 16 once, uh, traveling <laughs> around on the moto circuit, and I ended up buying three uh, rental cars that I feel like I paid more for than they actually were. And they all drove back to the rental facility. So I'm not exactly sure why I bought the full car and then didn't get to use it as a field car later. Was, anyway, the whole system sucked, <laughs> but uh, I got banned from one over in uh, Austria. Uh, sixth, actually, it won't take me anymore, but it wasn't my fault. I base jumped off a cliff. Kenny Bartram was rallying my car back down the mountain. Uh, truck evidently was coming the other way and they left the car at the bottom of the cliff. And he got a ride back with the trucker. And yeah, so I mean, there's been some incidents, but I don't feel like they've mostly been my fault. Um, and having said that, um, I feel like it's our responsibility when we go to the rallies, um, if we're bringing a car or if we're going to a motocross or whatnot, we represent the sport, especially 100%. As, as someone that, that goes often that's Subaru. If, you know, with people's phones out, it doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing, it's being documented. And even if we don't know it's being documented, it's being documented. And as silly as this sounds, uh, since, you know, probably I was 19 or 20, I've been a little smarter about this and kind of thought, hey, if you're going to do something, do it to your own stuff. And rental cars are not something to play with because there's a couple motocross tracks like Millville, Minnesota, where when the motocross comes to town, uh, you're not allowed to actually rent. They ban all rentals. Uh, so we found that we've made some bad impressions, not me personally, but our group. Uh, and you learn from those mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking of the old stories because, yeah, that's not something uh, we want to hear anymore. Favorite book or author? Favorite music, uh, artist, or genre when you're uh, on a long transit or doing recce, traveling, whatever? And favorite movie? Oh, uh, I shouldn't admit this. I'm a co-driver and I do not read books. <laughs> That's really bad. I have the latest Toby Price book coming soon, and I've got the Ash Barty book that Mum gave me for my Christmas present, which is obviously the world number one tennis player. So I, I do like to read books that are like autobiographies or biographies or whatever, like about mm -hmm. sports people. I've read the Peter Solberg one and, and stuff like that. So I do like to read sporting books, but that's about the most you'll get from me as far as that's concerned. Do you read books, Trap? Yeah, um, like psychology would be Eckhart Tolle um, was always good. Um, uh, kind of like the Power Now or whatnot, I found was a pretty good book. Um, if you're looking at uh, probably In Like a Lamb, Out Like a Lion, that was a good read. I'll say uh, John Buffum. If there's anything that John Buffum does, I've probably, uh, you know, I've, I've looked it up. So that's, that's a good book as well. I still need to get my hands on that one. Movies, Warrior, I thought was, was really good. I just liked uh, how they took such a simple story and uh, made, a, made a good movie out of it. Um, also, Grandma's Boy, if you're looking at a comedy, it's pretty good. Uh, what, what was the third question? Music. Uh, my, 
My movie's The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. And cool, cool Running. Oh, my, I just watched that the other day. my fun ones. Yeah. They're my two, like, favourite sort of different ones. But And what was the last one, sorry? I missed it. Music. Music, uh, music uh, probably Motley Crue, uh, maybe. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim Montana now, probably. And i got to tell a Tim Montana story. So I, I come in to do this uh, celebrity charity, like, charity uh, shoot that he was doing. And he's like, dude, you got to come over to the house. I'm like, dude, it's 10 o'clock at night. I just landed. I am exhausted. I came straight from rally. I was like, we got to be up at six doing your stupid press thing tomorrow morning at whatever <laughs> local TV station morning show. He's like, you got to come over to the house. And uh, we had uh, his buddy, who was actually the guy that shot Osama bin Laden. You had Kid Rock. And you had uh, uh, Charlie Sheen all sitting on a couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my life is made. So ever wow. since I've just uh, Tim Montana, and he did Evil Knievel Days and stuff like that. So if you have a chance, listen to uh, some Tim Montana songs. Good dude. That, that's that's way better than any story I could tell. <laughs> I, I mean, I I like music. Rob O'Neill. Sorry, was I can't believe I forgot Rob's name for a second. I apologize. Sorry, Rob. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I like me. I like any type of music. I watch The Voice and all those crazy music shows that Alex tells me that I need to go to another room because he doesn't want to listen to them. So I just like music in general. Like Trav and I. He'll say, oh, Ree, we need to make a playlist, and I just tell him to make it because whatever music's on, I just enjoy listening to any. So I'm a bit boring, to be honest. I can tell you the, the movies I want to see, but <laughs> I can't tell you much more. Well, again, thank you both for uh, taking so much time. And actually, one other thing before we go, though, uh, the big sponsor change, you're wearing the hat, Black Rifle uh, Coffee, as I'm sitting here drinking my coffee, although it's not that brand. Sorry, it's, it's local, but uh, still. Like, man, jeez. <laughs> I, we're big coffee drinkers, especially in the northern latitudes, all right? So I, I don't think they'll be hurting. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, no, it was just a, an awesome opportunity. I mean, there's not a lot of people that that will ever leave uh, Red Bull voluntarily. They're an amazing company. Uh, they help support so many of not only the action sports athletes, but action sports in general. Um, they provided so many opportunities for me to chase my dreams. Uh, it's mm-hmm. amazing. But when I got with Red Bull, they were an up-and-coming company that – was fairly small. We could make decisions pretty quick and we could do whatever we wanted and have a great time. And uh, they're still an amazing company and they're still doing so much. But um, a lot of my friends are, you know, started Black Rifle Coffee Company and they've had a lot of success. Uh, it's America's Coffee. You know, they really support the, the veterans, uh, support the military, support, you know, just basically community in general. I mean, def- definitely with a you know, more towards um, the first responders and that kind of stuff, uh, armed forces. But uh, what was cool about Black Rifle and kind of the biggest reason for the switch was my friends were at pretty much every one of my big moments and they made so much happen. When I'm like, hey, I want to fly with Pilot X. And they got my wife, Lindsay, to, to learn how to fly a, a little bird, which is like this helicopter. And they had a minigun and they let us like – <laughs> shoot the minigun and we got to uh, you know base jump out of it and I said hey we want to jump Ronnie Mack over top of Pilot X while he's shooting a minigun at cars and I'll slide the you know Subaru underneath and they, they made it happen and then when you know we had a, a thing that we did for, for Puerto Rico you know had a big hurricane uh, come through and we said well Puerto Rico is not going to have a motocross of nations team motocross of nations in the U.S. Puerto Rico Puerto Rico is a um, you know, as a territory of the U.S., hey, let, let's ride for them and let's raise some money and let's go down there and we'll, we'll make some fun. And we'll go, or not make some fun, but we'll help uh, the locals have some fun and we'll, we'll rebuild the tracks. Almost every motocross track was shut down for over a year 
you know, after after one of the last hurricanes came through because they just didn't have the resources. So we came down there, rebuilt the tracks, uh, two of the tracks, put some events on, um, you know, had a bunch of kids out, gave away a lot of helmets, brought some motorcycles out there for the motocross schools. And Black Rifle came in and said, hey, we're going to put in another, you know, $100,000. We're going to bring in some guys that can actually do some more good, uh, put some roofs on some houses, helped us with a lot of funding, helped bring in a lot of that stuff. Sorry for the long winded story again. But they didn't want anything out of it. They didn't ask for anything. Two of the owners came down personally to help and not just like to be a part of it, like swinging hammers and, and doing work. And for me, a company that just goes down to do stuff like that and to be a part of the projects that, that I'm involved with and wants to make it better just to be a part of it um, and not for any gain or notoriety or anything, that for me went a long way. And uh, some of the projects they want to do, I just wouldn't have had the opportunity to do them with uh, with the crew if I was still with Red Bull. So I'm still in great terms with Red Bull. Red Bull's still helping out a lot, you know, with Rallycross, uh, still working together with them uh, on a lot of projects. Uh, still friends of the family uh, as far as that goes. Still drink Red Bull when, you know, it's it turns the evening and, I'll, you know, coffee um, is, <laughs> you know, coffee's my morning drink. <laughs> and uh, Black Rifles, it's awesome. It's good coffee, too. <laughs> really excited for the 2022 season sorry you're not able to uh, make it to snowdrift uh, but i already saw you guys are, are studying rhiannon uh, sent me a picture of you guys looking at 100 acre wood videos and and whatnot and and getting ready for uh for the big fight for the season so yeah it, it, it's, it's gonna be a good one i and the more competition we can bring uh and and you guys stepping it up uh, it's, it's just gonna be phenomenal and just again, thanks for taking the time and giving our, our listeners uh, a chance to get some insight on uh, what to look forward to. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for your time, Mike. Appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye. You know what I hate? Big, bulky, underperforming batteries. Lighten your load with performance battery from Melee Design Firm. They have time-tested solutions for your race car, rally car, or even your daily commuter. Make sure you check us out at MeleeDesignFirm.com, a proud sponsor of the Open Paddock Rallycast since 2020. Well, it's no wonder that Travis is quite simply an American treasure. He brings so much enthusiasm to our sport and apparently still has zero fear, especially when Travis was suggesting how we should open up the regulations and allow teams to make the most powerful rally beast the world has ever seen. But maybe a lot of that attitude can be explained by his favorite book choice. I didn't quite catch it in the call, but then I looked it up. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And on Powell's books, here's what it says in the summary. Quote, Eckhart shows readers how to recognize themselves, the creators of their own pain, and how to have a pain-free existence by living fully in the present. Accessing the deepest self, the true self, can be learned by freeing ourselves from the conflicting, unreasonable demands of the mind and living present, fully, and, int- and intensely in the now. Those are wise words indeed. Thanks again to our supporters, Oz Rally Pro and Melee Design Firm. And if you'd like to help support all that we do here on the Rallycast, go to our website, openpaddock.net, and click on the donate button. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.